Let's get today started with another what's hot, what's not with Matt Taylor from MJT Hospitality. Matt, no matter how prepared you are when you're opening a restaurant, no matter how much you've budgeted, no matter how how much research you've thought about, there are always going to be unexpected costs that come up, whether it's something that's in an inspection or just things that you thought that you had covered that all of a sudden it's just like, oh, shoot. We, we need extra money here. How can restaurants, especially new ones that are opening up, prepare themselves for those unexpected costs? You know, Dan, I, I know this pain. Um, and in a word, it's going to be education. I think um, the, the short answer to this is so many restaurateurs are on an island operating on their, their own, and there's not a, a lot of shared information. Um, there are some people out there uh, that are willing to share information. And this is one of the services that MJT Hospitality provides. We like to go in with restaurateurs. We like to go in with new builds and we like to help them think through some of these hidden costs. And, and honestly, everything is more expensive. So the first thing that we've got to do is increase our opening budgets by about 15%. Those Mm. contingencies in the budget process will save the day in the end. So if I was to give you one piece of advice, when you do your pre-opening budget, carry a 15% contingency, make sure that you're planning for the unknown, because as you said, they're going to come from all directions and you're never going to know what monster pops out of the corner. Yeah. Got to be prepared for those monsters as best we can. Thank you, Matt. Let's get to the episode. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling 1-800-414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin'. And one of the great things about Omaha's food scene is you never know where your next great meal is going to come from. You could get an epic Detroit-style pizza off a transformed school bus. You can get handmade pasta out of a drive through window. You can get elite-level Texas barbecue out of a restaurant the size of a hotel room. Sometimes you just have to know where to look, and sometimes it's all about who tells you where to look. And until a few months ago, I had no idea where Avalis Latin Market was. But fortunately, I had some good food people in my life to tell me about this place. And now that I know about it, I want to tell everybody because (laughs) it is just some of the most fantastic Latin food that you will find. And to talk about it today is my guest, the owner and chef, Jose Avalis. Jose, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me, Dan. Um, it's good to be here, and I'm glad you found us and you like our stuff, man. The pleasure is all mine, and we are going to talk all about it. We need to educate people on just how <laughs> fantastic this place is. But right off the bat, I just want to let people know, Avalos Latin Market is located on the backside of a strip mall off 108th and Q. It's a little bit difficult to find, but if you just punch it into the GPS, it, it'll take you back there, land you right on the doorstep, and once you find it, you are going yeah. to want to come back again and again. Yes, definitely. Uh, the GPS hasn't been quite our best friend with that. We've kind of messed with it a little bit. It kind of shows us in the front of the building. So some mm. people don't realize there's a backside to it. So if you're familiar with it, 108th and Q, Roxbury Plaza, uh, best way to describe it is everyone knows the rib shack. So mm. we're behind the rib shack. Can't miss it. Just go around back and you'll find us. So one of the things that I find so interesting about about your business is that someone can just stop into the market and they can pick up groceries or they can go back to the deli and get a hot meal 
or they can stop in and like grab some take and bakes for later or just get some meats and store them and then cook later. So like you have all these different options on ways that you can get food at Avalos. How did you decide that you're going to offer all these different things? You know, the idea started as me trying to build a bridge between West Omaha and South Omaha. You know, for years I've lived in West Omaha and I've tried to, or I've driven all the way to South Omaha to try to get the, the Latin goods, per se. And it's always me stocking up on tons of hot sauces and all that stuff because I'm not going to make that drive again for a good three weeks or so. Um, so I want to kind of bridge that gap. Um, so I've had the idea, of, honestly, for over 10 years and, you know, I got to say, my wife has been my rock and the person's kind of pushed me. Um, you know, she's always from day one. She's always, you know, kind of told me that I'm talented and doesn't understand why I'm working for somebody when I have all these skills that I can be doing it for myself and building something for myself. So she's kind of been my, you know, my mentor, I guess, in a way to, to push me towards business. And that's kind of how I came about. She's like, let's just do it. Let's just open something up. Let's just find something. We'll figure it out little by little. And that's kind of how it started, you know. Um, originally, we wanted to, a project started in Millard, actually. That's where we wanted to open. It was set in Millard. Um, you know, just middle ground for everyone. Um, not too far south, not too far west. But uh, the project kind of fell through after a couple months into it. And we kind of backed into this current location um, I knew it'd be a challenge being so hidden in the back, um, but I was like, you know what? If you create some good, people will come and find you. And I felt like everyone's just kind of uh, punches in on a GPS, and that's the way they find things, and that's exactly how it's been. Um, you know, all word of mouth, such as yourself, um, everyone's just kind of been been very blessed that everyone's really been word of mouth and told everyone where to find us and come and look for us, you know? Um, they post us on social media. I haven't had to ask anyone to do anything. Oh, that's um, amazing. They've done it on their own, and it's it's been great, you know? So, um, yeah, like I said, I've been in the restaurant business for many years. I've been a chef throughout the city. And to be honest, I was kind of burnt out on it that I wanted to do, like, a grocery store, have a little bit of food, but kind of stay away from those late hours, those that grind in a restaurant you know try to have a little bit more family oriented um try to have something that gives me more time with my family and kids you know i'm getting older and i just haven't had enough time to spend with my kids and that's really what kind of drove drove me to it um you know but little did i know that the food was going to be the most popular thing um because the deli had a little bit of got a few items but it was mostly a meat market um, but everyone just kept asking for food and enchiladas and tamales and you name it. Um, and it's become what it's become today, um, mostly food. And, you know, most of our sales have become food that we're slowly, you know, kind of transitioning into more of a restaurant style with that little bodega. I love that concept and I like to keep it. Um, but I think our next move is trying to figure out a way to add like a dining area because that's just what our guests are, are craving from us. Um, so that's kind of where we're headed towards in okay. the near future. Talk me through that. What does that look like? Well, you know, we currently added a couple tables just to kind of see what that does. And they tend to stay pretty busy. Um, you know, like you said, we have warm food. You can sit down and have a quick bite. Or you can do a family style, you know, grab a couple pounds of meat or whatnot and take some food home or take and bakes, you know. You're on the run. You pick up some food. You take it home for the kids to cook. You don't have to deal with it. Um so we really got a little bit of everything. Um, so that's kind of where I would like to keep it, you know, and that's kind of where, like I said, just maybe adding a, a seating area would create a better atmosphere for some of those folks that, you know, we don't have a big table, for example, if you want to take your whole family to sit down and eat. So I'd like to create something like that. Okay. I feel yeah. that. I love what you said earlier about, you know, you'd have to make that trip to South O to go to whether it's a supermercado or Yakubos or, you know, whatever it might be, one of those awesome. And these are fantastic places. Oh, yeah. They're worth driving for, but you can't make a 25 minute drive, you know, yeah. all, all the time just with work and stuff like that. So bringing that to West Omaha has just been such a blessing, in, in my opinion. And I love that you don't just focus on one cuisine. Uh, your market features food and products from Puerto Rico, 
Colombia, Cuba, Mexico, El Salvador, Ecuador, the Dominican Republic. I'm probably forgetting some. Those are just the ones that I got in my notes. <laughs> why did you, when you were bringing this concept together, why did you say, I need to bring all these nationalities in and not just focus on a couple, but like really try and highlight the entire scene? Well, you know, I kind of, uh, yeah, like you said, I didn't want to close myself to, you know, and I get that, I get asked that a lot. Why didn't you name it like Avila's Mexican market or, or Mercado or whatever? I don't want to close myself off like that, you know, because I like to cook and I like all kinds of cuisines and I like fusion and I like Puerto Rican food, Dominican, all kinds of food, you know. And not only do I like to eat it, I like to create it and all, most of our guests are a mixture of that. So I don't want to close myself off, which is why I went with the Latin name. That way we get a little bit of everything. And, you know, we're, we're smaller, so it's very hard to get everything, of course. But what I have is, is I created a wish list. And whenever they come in, whatever became more popular are the items that I got. So we just got a little bit of everything, but they're mostly those daily items that people use. And that's kind of how I've created it. Um, and that way, you know, anyone could come and get their favorite goods and get a couple items to, to eat as well. Uh, my wife's Colombian. Um, my son, um, you know, I had with my ex-wife who's Puerto Rican, so he's Puerto Rican. Um, you know, I'm Mexican American. I was born in California, but I'm first generation Mexican. So I'm a mixture of everything myself. You're the melting pot, yeah, man. I am the melting pot. I'm from California, which is the melting pot of cuisine. So that's kind of what I want to create. Uh, you know, another thing, big focus for us has been, I feel we've lost that neighborhood grocery store or market um you know where i grew up that everyone knew you you're welcome with a hello you know it, it there's always someone there to help you or carry your groceries to the front i mean just i feel we've lost that touch um you know you go to walmart and it's great but you gotta bag your own groceries you gotta you can never find anyone to help you out um and i feel like we're just losing that touch that i want to create because that's just how i grew up that's just my dad would send me to the local grocery store and go get me this and tell them I'll get them later. Of course, I have I don't have that right. <laughs> but, you know, they knew me. They knew who I was. They knew my father. And I just want to create that, you know, where I teach my daughter, my kids or whoever's working. You see the guests here more than two times. Ask them for their name. This, I want I want to know them on a name basis. I'm horrible name, but I'm great with faces, which is great. But, it, you know, I. I'm trying to learn everyone's because I, I want them to know that I do appreciate their business and and I know them, you know, just have that connection, which I feel so many businesses have lost. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I want to focus on like the idea of bringing this to West Omaha, because, you know, you mentioned like there are some great stores in South O, but no one had really tried at least done it successfully transferred this idea over to West Omaha and you said you've had this idea in your in your head for about a decade <laughs> was there any worry in your mind that yeah it works great you know in the South Omaha area but maybe it's just not meant to succeed in West Omaha. like maybe that's not what people are looking for clearly they are looking for it yeah. but as you were coming up with the idea was there any doubt in your mind about that you know of course, there's always a small doubt. I mean, it's always a risk. I'm kind of skeptical about the move, but I think that's what's taken me so long. Well, first, you know, building up the capital, of course, it takes a lot. You know, that's my entire life savings. Um, you know, it, 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 it takes a lot to, to make it happen, which is, you know, I get asked, why did you choose the back? Well, I can't afford the front. <laughs> why did you get a better location? Well, I couldn't afford a better location. You know, I, I, I mean, I could have gotten in. And, you know, the, the, the cost for that would be double or triple. And, and, you know, I might have done it for a few months. And, you know, it's just scary to me to sign a lease for so many years and then not be able to afford that. that that's scary at the beginning. Uh, you know, if I would have known it, it was going to go a little better than as it is now, then I might have done it then. Um, but it's just scary at the beginning, you know, which is why I chose that location uh, in the back. But. You know, going back to, to, to bring it back, I just didn't feel it was time. Because like you said, what what do you think is going to make it work in West Omaha? Um, you know, I didn't think it was time before. Like it, like it felt like people weren't ready yet or there wasn't enough Latinos. Um, and I felt like there's a lot more Latinos now. 
towards West Omaha. And that's kind of what made my decision. Now, to my surprise, I did not expect everybody else to love Latin food so much. Um, if I would have known that, I would have done it years ago. Because um, I really expected to be all Latino um, and have a small percentage of every, everybody else. But it's turned out to be quite opposite of that. <laughs> you know, um, we get everybody, everything else. And then Latino tends to be our, our last, and specifically Mexican, you know? Really? Yeah, and, and it's complete surprise to us. Um, but, yeah, so I, we've had to tailor our business to kind of accommodate that, you know? How so? Well, like I said, we had the meat market, which I think kind of calls out for a lot of Latin people. You know, the, the fresh meats and whatnot, the asada, et cetera. And then our produce area was huge when we opened. All those specialty um, vegetables and fruits that you can't get here, um, that's usually what they look for, um, which was a big struggle for us because we were wasting them, um, throwing away lots of food. It just wasn't selling because we weren't quite grasping those folks. Once we were hitting in, two they didn't know. And second, uh, one thing I just kind of learned is that a lot of folks associate being West with being more expensive. So we kind of battle with that. And to a certain point, I guess it could be right because being a small market, I don't have that same buying power a lot of these other folks do. Because they've been around for so many years, they buy so much product that, yeah, they're going to be a little bit cheaper, but it's cents, you know. Um, but people will drive for cents, you know. And we kind of battled with that for a little bit um, to where – you know, food took off, so the meat markets, I just kept the popular parts, the popular vegetables, stuff that we use in-house as well, um, just stuff that I can keep rotating and keep fresh on a daily basis. Um, and that's kind of how I, like, but I mean, I had to accommodate. Um, a lot of the folks know the food, such like yourself, and they know it well, to the point where, you know, I got so many Caucasian teaching me about Mexican items. Really? And I'm like, no, that doesn't exist. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it does. And I'll ask a purveyor, and they're like, sure enough, it exists. And I'm blown away, for example, something so simple as uh, Doritos. I had someone ask, I want the Mexican Doritos. I was like, oh, my God, Doritos right there. They're like, no, the Mexican ones are different. I was like, um, I don't think there are, but I'll check and sure enough, they come in, and they are. What? It's the same Dorito bag, but it's made in Mexico, and the flavor is different. <laughs> and I was blown away. That's crazy. So they know the stuff. They know the product. And I'm learning myself every day about new stuff, you know? So that's kind of what I mean about accommodating, kind of changing it to its current clientele. At what point did you see the need to maybe start shifting where it was maybe less on the products and the grocery side of things and more on the, oh, the food, the deli. This might be like, this is what people are really coming for. Maybe this is where we put most of our attention. I Like I said, when you start seeing uh, stuff can be an expired stuff being, you know, we're wasting that. But not only that, I suddenly have to be in there a lot more cooking <laughs> and making more food because I can keep up with the demand. You know, uh, when we first started out, I mean, the enchiladas, for example, were insane. We'd have lines out the door. We'd have, we'd be making them to order because we couldn't keep up. You know, people waiting in their cars, um, you know, salsas, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I had to get creative, you know. Um, you get down south, most of them will bottle it up to, to order. I was like, I, I, I couldn't do that. It was just moving too fast. So we do it daily, and we, we bottle them up, and it's just easy grab. Come in, and you take out. You know, I have a cooler now that's double-sided where they could just come and grab and go and not wait for us um, because it was moving too fast, and, and I didn't want people to wait so long. I understand people are like myself, always on the go. They want to come in and get out, um, which, you know, that was one of the things when I would go down south that I hate waiting in line for so long. I wanted to cut that out from from my place sometimes it's hard to do you know we have our taco day which is a dollar 25 taco i mean and that's taco thursday not taco tuesday thursday yeah yes, you switch yes. it up i did like everything else i like to switch it up i like to be different um you know and everyone's asked me why well, everyone else does tuesday i was like well that's why i do thursday uh -huh. i was like now you got an option on thursday um our tamales for example traditionally everyone does uh 
red chili pork, green chili chicken. I do opposite. I do green chili pork, red chili chicken. You know, I, I like to switch it up and be different. Um, that way, you know, I don't have to compete with anyone and, and just try something different. You know, it's uh, another thing is the chile verde is my dad's recipe. It's been in our family for, you know, centuries, and I wanted to bring that to the to the mix and, and use it. It's very good. And how can I use it more? And that was the way to kind of use it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of how I found out. I mean, the demand, <laughs> demand, the demand. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into a couple of these menu items because I want to tease some taste buds. If so, if me. some of these people <laughs> haven't been in demand yet, we're going to put them in demand. And you know where I'm going to start. Uh-oh. That, that's with the Cubano. <laughs> so a couple months ago, I made it my personal mission. I was going to find the best Cubano in Omaha. So I went to like 11 or 12 different restaurants and tried a bunch of different ones. Yours was actually the first that I tried. And it ended up being far and away the best. And that is not a that is not saying anything bad about any other restaurant because I had some other really good ones. Yours is just that good. I got to get, got to give a shout out to Mike Johnson. I would not have known it without him. Love you, Mike. Thank, Thank you, you Mike. so much. <laughs> so your Cuban, it's not strictly traditional, but it is fantastic. How did you decide to put this on the menu? Cause like enchiladas, tamales, tacos, those are things that you would expect, but a Cubano, not necessarily. How did yeah. it make the menu? Well, like I said before, the whole Latino thing, you know, I've always had in mind of bringing, and I still have a lot more ideas I want to bring in. I just can't keep up right now. Um, another thing is that I really don't have a full kitchen per se because it wasn't meant for that. So I've had to slowly create and revamp more or less a kitchen for that. Um, but the Cuban came about, um, you know, I took my wife to Miami as a surprise I was going to ask her to marry me. We're going to get engaged. So she had no idea. I just said, we're going on vacation. She had no idea where. So we flew down to Miami. She found out the day of. And we went down and we had, I took her, I've been there several times. So I took her down South Beach, went to Little Havana. And she had the Cuban for the first time and went down and had, you know, Puerto Rican food and all that good stuff. But we came back and we still had the Cuban and our taste buds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, I'm craving a Cuban sandwich. And she's like, well, what's all in it? You know how to make it? I was like, oh, of course I know how to make it. She's like, well, what's all in it? So I kind of started saying it in my head. I was like, wait a minute. I pretty much have everything here to create one. It's not traditional, but it's our version. So I just made them for us for lunch. And we were kind of blown away ourselves. We're like, whoa, this was really good. I was like, I should put it on the menu. She's like, yeah, definitely. So we put it on the menu, and it was kind of stagnant for a while. First of all, I didn't have pictures on, on the menus for that, so I, I think that kind of created, you know, hard for people to kind of picture it or imagine it. Um, but, yeah, it had been on the menu for a while, and then you came in, and let me tell you, you <laughs> created a frenzy. Lord have mercy. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> no, thank People you. People need to know about this stinking sandwich. <laughs> it is one of the best sandwiches I've ever eaten. You know, oh my God, you came in and I had no idea who you were. And I got to be honest, I never heard of you. I've never, I never, I never knew who you were. I found out real fast, real fast who you were. And I kind of read up on you one night. I'm like impressed. And your following is quite impressive. Um, you know, we've been on Omaha Food Lovers since we've opened we've got a lot of love on there um we get a lot of people from there but not as much as when you posted that and you your, your folks are just diehards they're awesome they, I, they I, are I, I they are they, they they're amazing and they, they speak very highly of you and they respect your your views and and, and your palate most of all um that yeah it was it has been insane and let me tell you in three weeks we sold over 2,000 pounds of pork. What? <laughs> oh, my god! Yes. I was blown away how much carnitas we had to make because the sandwich has our, our carnitas, which is, our, you know, Mexican-style carnitas, which is what I use. Um, like you said before, it's a telera, which is a, a Mexican bread that we use for torta, but kind of gives you that same texture and taste as a as a. Cubano, which is typically like a French bed or a baguette. Um, but, yeah, it's been, it was absolutely insane with the, with the Q&A after your post. And it continues. 
I thought it would slow down. It has not it has not stopped. So just first of all, thank you for all the kind words. I don't know if I deserve half of those. <laughs> I mean, you very very kind. Thank you. But just from a logistical standpoint, when you say you're selling thousands of pounds of pork, that's not something that you were planning on. Absolutely so how not. do you how do you as a restaurateur make that adjustment on the fly to say, "Oh shoot, like we're seeing an uptick in sales." We need more carnitas. Like, how do you make that adjustment? You don't. You don't. <laughs> I just, I would, you know, on a typical week, I'd go through, you know, four cases of pork, which we sell a lot. Don't get me wrong. Um, but not like that. And it was just like every two days I was having to go get more and go get more and go get And I'm like, so it kind of like on the thing on the second week, I bought. A thousand pounds. I was like, holy smokes, how much stuff are we going through? And I did the math and I went back to the results. I was like, oh my God, I was blown away. So that's kind of how that started, but you can't adjust, um, you know, and, and it's hard because you don't want to go overboard and buy too much because you think you're, you're going to sell it. Um, so it was just buy, cook it, buy, cook, buy, cook. And I just kept having to go shopping because, you know, I, I needed it. Um, and the thing is, it, it's, it was tough because I would run out for hours. They would come in. I wouldn't have it because it, I slow cook. Yeah. So it's four hours of cooking minimum. And by the time, you know, they're ready, it, it'd be half a day that I'd lose if people wanting a Cuban. So I had to adjust real fast. <laughs> well, I apologize for any extra work that I might apologize. have caused you. But- you know, it's, it's a blessing. And, you know, I have to remind myself on a daily basis when I'm tired and I'm working that this is a blessing. You know, it's um, it's a new business and we got a long ways to go still, you know. Um, it's a blessing that we're busy. So I, I'd love to continue that. I got lots of bills to pay. <laughs> well, for me, it was just it was such a blessing to find someone that and you mentioned it's not strictly traditional, but you're pretty close I mean, that the, the roll is very close to that traditional Cuban bread. Yeah, carnitas are a little bit different from the roasted yeah. pork, but everything else, basically the same. And that was my main thing as I, as I went around Omaha and tried all these different Cubans is I had some awesome sandwiches, but a lot of people were just kind of, A, the, very few people got the toast on the bread, right? Very few yeah. sandwiches got that down. But they were just some combination of mustard and pickles and pulled pork and ham, and they'd throw it on a sandwich and call it a Cuban. And I'd be like, this is a great pulled pork sandwich. It's not a Cuban. Yeah. Yours is a Cuban. It is something <laughs> where, and I, I've been to Miami, and I've had a Cuban, and I was like you. I, I had that taste in my taste buds, and I was just like, I can't find anywhere that has this. And then when I had yours, I was just like, and it, I mean, we're talking like a 10-year gap the last time I was in Miami, and I was like, that's it. That's <laughs> kind of flavor that I've been looking for. You know what? That's where I'm blown away. We've, we've got a lot of Cubans now coming in, and they've had it, and they're like, Papi, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, okay. So, uh, you know, that validates a little bit, you know? And, of course, they're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. It's a little, little, but they love it. They, it it's gone great. Um, yeah, we've been very fortunate that people love the sandwich. And because of it, it's brought in a lot of people that didn't know about us. And it opened their eyes to other food. Yep. Um, they're trying other stuff and they're loving everything else that, you know, they wouldn't have tried before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not only the Cubans, it kind of woke up a lot of people to different stuff. And now they're asking me for more stuff, which is why I brought a little new creation for you. You want to tell people about that? Sure. So, you know, as before, like I, explained, I get a lot of requests for a lot of stuff. And a lot of times I got to brush them off because... I'd be cooking all day, every day, nonstop, which I do already, but I get asked for everything. Um, but one of the things I've been asking most of is sweet tamales. And, um, you know, I, I didn't want to do the same old boring strawberry and pineapple that everyone does. And, and I just want to create something a little different. Um, we recently took a trip with my family to Chicago. And I'm not a big fan of sweets, but my daughter was... Wouldn't leave us alone for a day and a half. She wanted to go to the Nutella store. <laughs> so here we go. That line was around the block. Really? I was blown away. And I was like, I never even tasted Nutella. So I was like, she bought a bottle. She got a custom-made bottle with her name on it. And she was the happiest kid ever. And everyone 
it was like going to Disneyland. So I tasted it. I was like, okay, this is good. So I wrapped that around my head. I wanted to create somewhere. Then I couldn't think of anything. And then the tamale kicked in. So I was like, I created the strawberry Nutella chocolate tamale. And we just started this weekend, actually. Um, you know, I thought I'd just introduce it. And then we kind of go to special orders after that. But I couldn't keep up with them this weekend, so I think they might be still <laughs> for good as well. Um, they're doing really well, so that's kind of what I brought for you to taste. I don't I don't have them warmed up right now, but yeah, I kind of brought for you to taste, and then you can give me your opinion later on them. I, I can't wait for I can't wait to try it. And based off everything I've had of yours, I'm pretty confident that it's going to be good, <laughs> especially if it's selling out so well. But I, I just I love the creativity that you. You took something like your tamales are fantastic and you took something that's savory and you found a way to inject sweetness into it. And like it's the same delivery device, but completely transformed now, which is something that's just so cool about cooking. And I just love that ingenuity. It is. And that's, uh, you know, with my past being a chef, that's where that kicks in. Mm -hmm. You You like to create, you like to try new things that... You know, till it happens. And it's amazing how you can mix salty with sweet and make it amazing. Oh, yes. You know, one of my favorite cuisines to cook is Asian food. Mm-hmm. And that's where I learned to cook with salt and sugar. And when I first heard that, it just did not really click in my head. I was like, how are you going to put salt with sugar literally in the same sauce or item? But you make it work. And it works great, you know. Um so that's kind of the same thing, you know. Uh, people ask about our al pastor. And it never kicked in because I never know how to describe the flavor of al pastor. Till about a week ago, I'm trying to describe it that it's salty but sweet because it's got pineapple in it. And I was like, Mexican teriyaki. Oh, there you go. That's the best way to describe it, Mexican teriyaki. <laughs> and it just clicked in people's heads right away. I've never heard that before, but that is genius. Yeah. Two two words to <laughs> yeah. sum it up. I love it. Mexican teriyaki. So people can come in. They can get the Cubano, which they should do. They can get tacos, enchiladas, tamales, uh, tortas. But there are two other menu items that I want to ask you about. And the first one, I had my initial visit, got the Cubano, was sold. I was just like, whatever this man wants to feed me from now on, I'm good to go. So I came in, and I was just like, Jose, tell me what to order. I will order this. And you didn't even hesitate. You said, get the queso birria. Now, obviously, birria and birria tacos kind of having a moment right now. This is a very uh, trendy food, I would say. And a lot of restaurants do a very watered-down version of it. Yours is not that way. I'm not asking you to, like give me the trade secrets and, you know, give away your recipe or anything like that. But what do you do to make your beer and give it that just rich, intense flavor? So funny you say that. That's a recipe that I've honestly worked on for many years since I've had that idea, probably 10 years. And I've modified it a numerous of times. And I had a set recipe for when I opened my doors and it changed again once I opened. Really? It did. Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese. There are certain moments in your life that are so remarkable, you'll just never forget them. I distinctly remember the first time that I watched LeBron James play basketball and the first time I saw the original Star Wars. The sheer awe I had in those moments changed the way I look at basketball and movies, respectively, moving forward. The same goes to steak, thanks to Certified Piedmontese. The rib cap at Casa Bovina is so rich, decadent, and fork tender that it is seared into my brain. But you don't have to dine at Casa Bovina to have that same life-changing experience. This beef is so delicious, even the average home cook can look like a superstar using these steaks, roasts, and ground beef. Trust me, I know from experience. Check out all the options on CertifiedPiedmontese.com and use my promo code HOPPEN. H-O-P-P-E-N for 25% off your order. It's time to start creating new beef-centric memories that'll stay with you forever. And now, back to my guest. I like birria, but what you said. It gets watered down. You have it in the stock right away, and it's fine, but as soon as you take it out, it's dried meat. It's just like pulled beef, and it dries out. Um, So I wanted to create something more savory, like you said, so... 
I make my sauce thicker to where, um, you know, they mostly boil it or whatnot. I, I, I try to render the fat a little bit. Um, I, I make, you know, I pre-make my birria sauce, and it's thicker to where the point of the consistency, I would like to say, is between barbacoa and birria. Because barbacoa tends to be too dry, too. It's almost the same thing, but dry, which I'm not a big fan because it's so dry. So I wanted to find like a middle ground to bridge them. And that's kind of how I created that. Um, you know, I have my sauce, which is like a thicker consistency, maybe like almost like a mole sauce. But when you cook it, the beef releases the juices, then mix it together to make it a little bit brothier. And that's where it is. And so then at the end, I take some of that and make the consomme to serve with it. So that's kind of how it came about. And it is wonderful. So yeah. to just tease the taste buds a little bit more, people, and this is going to be a poor description because it won't <laughs> a- accurately describe what it is, but just imagine a quesadilla that has like a super crispy outside. It's just filled with just like really rich, savory, tender beef and just like overflowing with cheese. And then you can dunk it into this consomme that just completely sends it over the top it was wonderful i drank the rest of the consomme when i was done with it and i had no shame because i was like i'm not wasting a drop of this this is too good i hesitate to even ask this next question because i don't want to give you more work but you just you just mentioned the word mole have have you ever it looks like you put thought into offering mole it's not on the menu now and we're not gonna put your feet to the fire and say oh you gotta put it on but is that something that you've considered I've actually made it before. Oh, okay. I have. Uh, mole is one of those things that my recipe is, is is a mixer of my mom's recipe. And it's a very long, intensive yeah. recipe. So it takes an all-day event. You know, there's so many ingredients um, that I've made a short version of it. But I have run it as a special. It's funny you say that because a good friend of mine, he keeps hounding me about it. And every post I put, he's like, what about the chicken mole? What about the chicken mole? <laughs> so in the next couple of weeks, I, I plan to run it as a special. Ooh. And then if it, you know, if it kicks off, of course, like everything else, it might make it to the menu. Um, but, you know, I, I like to make sure whatever I does make it to the menu, it's something that it sells consistently. Yeah. Con- consistently. Because I like to keep it fresh. I don't like stuff, you know, every, you're never going to find anything older than a day in, in my store. It's always made daily, daily, daily. Um, it's fresh. And I don't want stuff to sit. I don't want to run that risk of stuff. And, you know, molly is one of those things that I feel um, a lot of people don't know it or they either love it or hate it. And there's so many versions of it that you really have to find the one that you like. Um, my family is, my mom's from Michoacan and my dad's from Guerrero which is two two different ways of making mole. You know, a lot of moles are sweet or darker, and, and, and the chocolate is, is pungent, or they're too sweet. Um, my style of mole, my mother's style of mole, is, it does have a little bit of chocolate, but it's not going to be sweet. Um, it's going to be more of a, of a savory, even a little bit of spicy. Mm. So it's a little bit different. Um, and traditionally, um, how we ate and grew up eating, it wasn't with tortillas either. It was with a, a, a tamale, but it was like a flat tamale cooked in a banana leaf. So thin that it would work like a tortilla. Whoa. Yes, very different. And that's what we would eat it with. Oh, man. Yeah, completely different. <laughs> okay. Well, folks, if you aren't following Avalis Latin Market on Facebook, now you should be because if that comes out on special sometime in the next couple of weeks, you're going to want to check that out. I know I'm going to be watching yes, it like a hawk. Yes, yes. So I tell everyone, follow us on there. That's where I'll post anything. You know, we used to have a web page. didn't get much action. Everyone's about Facebook. And so I, that's just where I put everything on our Facebook. Since we, we have the most uh, traffic. All right. One last food item that I got to ask you about because honestly – this surprised me more than anything, and that was the chicharron. <laughs> I'm normally not a huge fan of chicharron, which is fried pork belly, because whenever I see pork belly on a menu, and I've had it several times, when it's cooked really well, it's awesome. <laughs> but it's often not cooked well, and then it's just greasy and fatty and chewy and gross. And so I just, at this point, I mostly just stay away from it. Yeah. But yours... Not that at all. The flavor is like bacon 
but to the 10th degree. I mean, it is just salty and succulent, but you get that crispy skin on the outside. So you like bite into it and it crunches. Yeah. And then you get into the softness of the pork belly and it's just wonderful. Like, how do you take chicharrones to the next level? You know, that's funny story how that started. Um, you know, traditionally, or, or Mexican chicharron is so different. It's exactly what you said. It's fatty. It's greasy. Because that's just what it is. Yeah. Um, when we opened, that's what we had. And we had, you know, it's just a layer, which is just a skin. And there's that puffy crunch, which, don't get me wrong, I love. Or just the fatty part, which is literally just the fat. Barely scraping the meat. And you fry it. ends up being like a gizzard, which I also love. Don't get me wrong. But like you said, most people don't. You either love it or you hate it type of thing. Um, this chicharron is actually a Colombian-style type of chicharron. Due to my wife, we started getting a lot of Colombians and requests for this. I have never made one in my life. <laughs> no Colombian, you know? Um, but I started looking at some recipes, and I was like, okay, wait a minute. I made an Asian-style pork belly, and it would, they cook it very similar. And I was just like, I didn't create something similar. So I started playing with it and, and making it and making it and it came out all right and it came out better and I kind of just messed with the recipe recipe and I kept messing with it and then finally hammered it down and my wife's like, this is better than chicharron I've had in Colombia. Oh my God, you hit it right on the nail. And when Colombians started coming in and buying it nonstop, I knew I kind of made some good and it's been, we sell out every day. I believe it. We sell out on a daily basis. I can't make enough of it. Um, and like you said, I make it in a way where it's not fatty. You can squeeze it. And I show people. You can squeeze it, and it's not going to be greasy. It's going to be meaty. The fat's still there, but the way I render the fat down to where that fat tastes like meat. And it's not going to drip down the side of your mouth. Um, that It's just been a great addition to the menu. And like you said, I think I gave it to you just to try that mm -hmm. one. <laughs> I never I, I, would have ordered it on my own. And a lot of people are like that, which is I educate them on it. You know, I like educating people on food because they're not going to try it otherwise. Yeah. So you ever make it into the market, just ask me. If you haven't tried it, ask me what it is. If you want to taste it, I'll give you a taste because I understand you're not around it. You're, you're not going to know it. I'm more than happy to give you a taste and I'll walk you through it and tell you what it's all about. Um, so I love people giving it to because I can't tell you how many times I've heard I would have never in my life tried it. And then they try it and they're blown away. Uh, another key note to that is the lime on it. Oh, yeah. It doesn't click in your head to squeeze a fresh lime on it. But Colombians like to squeeze fresh lime on top of it, which takes it to a whole different level. And everyone's just blown away Everyone every time they try it. Um, you know, at the beginning, my wife used to be like, Stop giving it away. It's, it's so expensive. <laughs> Why do you do that? I was like, how many people have you seen not buy it after they taste it? She's like, you're right. Okay. Not many. Do whatever no. you want. Yeah. It's <laughs> worth the extra 30 minutes on the treadmill or oh, however, however you need. many it that is, you eat. Yeah. You know, every day I say I'm trying to lose weight. I'm not going to do it. And it just we cook it. I'm like, oh, I got to have a bite. I mean, at that point. That's for the safety of the customers. You Absolutely. just got to quality control. Exactly. You got to make, yeah, you're just looking out for us. Thank you, <laughs> exactly. Jose, for That's, your dedication. And I will continue to do so. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into cooking originally? You know, started 20 plus years ago. You know, I kind of, um, you know, I work in a restaurant and, you know, I was, I started in front of the house. You know, I was a server. I was a bartender. I was a busser. Um, anything in a restaurant business I've done. And, of course, you know, I was a, a bachelor and, you know, payday would come or, or rent would come, I would say. And I didn't have the money because I would be blowing it away. And I was because as a server, you get tips and everything is cash in your pocket and you're spending it. So it actually started that I asked for a kitchen position. So I would have a server job and I have a kitchen position. So I wouldn't spend the money and I would get a paycheck. That's kind of how it started. And then I just found love for it. You know, I, I, I noticed I found a niche for it. I started creating, you know, went from prep to a cook to, to a sous chef to executive chef, et cetera. Um, but that's kind of how, how it started, you know. Um, 
Then I decided I want to go to culinary school. I had started Metro, and, and you know, um, I never finished. I wish I would have. Um, I never finished. I just got so busy. I got promoted, and, you know, and then I got to exec, and at a very young age, you know. By 21, I was already executive chef, so. Holy cow. Yeah, so I was just kind of like, kind of got in my head that, why do I need to do this if I'm already here type of deal, you know? Um but yeah, I just found love for the food, and I think that's what it is. I found love for the food, um, not only just cooking it, but the background behind it. You know, I wanted to know where it came from, how it was created, why it tasted that way, why do they blend, and and how do they make it, how do they grow it? Um, just the whole thing behind it. Um, I think that helps you get to the next level. It's not like you're just cooking stuff. You're not just following a recipe. You're trying to understand it. Understand it and why and. Why it creates that flavor, you know? Um, I just found love for, for cooking in general, you know? That's how it started, though. It kind of backed into it just like everything else in my life. <laughs> well, we're happy that you backed into it. Now, if someone visited your establishment today, I think they'd say, oh, Jose probably worked in a bunch of Mexican or, or Latin restaurants. And, and you have some experience there, but your, your resume includes Upstream, Corvette Cafe, uh, Primo's Crave. You got your Kona Grill <laughs> shirt, shirt on today. Like that's a pretty wide variety of experiences. When you look back, how do how did those different experiences and that varied cooking background kind of form you into the chef and the cook that you are today? You know, like I said, I've always been attracted to Asian food. Which is why you saw Crave and Kona Grill. You know, I was executive. You know, I was executive chef at Kona Grill for a long time. They're very good to me. That's why I still have the shirt. I'm wearing it. Um, but you know, when I thought about opening a place, I don't think it stuck in my head that I was going to open a Mexican restaurant. I have to be honest. I don't think that has been. I don't think that was my focus. I don't think it ever has been. Um, I don't think it was like, oh, I'm going to open a Mexican food because, yes, I cook Mexican food, but it wasn't like, that's what I want to do. And my head has always been fusion, like a mixture of stuff, you know, because I've done, you know, I was executive chef at, uh, I don't think you saw it on there, but it was Lucky's 1001 downtown. Mm. You know, uh, one of the investors from Upstream got out and started Lucky's 1001, which was the old Angie Steakhouse down south, um, and then created an Italian So. I got to create a menu there and items that was completely Italian food. Um, you know, with Kona, Asian, it's a fusion as well. Crave, et cetera. I've been at country clubs. We've done it all. That I wanted to create something like that, an Americana cuisine. That's just a mixture of everything, you know. But in my head, and even in, and I always thought I would put fusion in the name of whatever I opened. You know, whether it's Jose's Fusion Grill or whatever. I always thought that because I wanted to make a mixture. Um, but with the store, obviously Latino, everyone kept asking for more of the Latin items, um, you know, and I know how to cook them. I know how to cook them well. And that's kind of how that started about. Um, but I don't think it was in my head that I want to open a Mexican place or, or a Latino place. I, I wanted to open a place that kind of a mixture, which I do. We have a mixture of everything, but I didn't want to close myself off and I still don't. You know, if I, you know, if I ever get blessed and and like I said, I do want to open a restaurant, um, but it would be something like that. Just a mixture of everything. I don't want to close myself off. I like food. I like creating food. I like fusion. I like mixing stuff. Um, you know, it just works out well. I mean, you can make a chimichurri steak with an Alfredo pasta, linguine or, or a linguine pasta right next to each other, you know, with toasted telera. I mean, you can even do grilled... Uh, I, I would order that right now. <laughs> grilled cactus with asparagus kicks into my head. Like, you got so many different cuisines mixed right there in one plate. You know, just that creation just kicks into my head, and that's how it's always been. Just a mixture. My wife tells me all the time, she's like, I don't even know where the heck you get these ideas, because I'm always just... It's never a regular item. It's always a mixture of, of cuisines, you know? Is your brain just constantly firing off like that? Is that just it never how it stops. works? Yeah, <laughs> it never stops. I don't think it ever takes a break. I see something and I want to create it. Um, you know, I see a picture. It doesn't even have to be food. Um, I I I see a dessert, and it kicks into my head how to make it into a, a meal. 
because I see the plating and I'm like, whoa, that looks amazing. How can I make that into a dinner plate? You know, it just kicks into my head. What can I make this look like that? Do you have an example of that? You know, the other day we were looking at, um, it was a couple, um, it was desserts actually. And I was just trying to think, the plating of it just looked amazing. And in my head, I started thinking of how I can do it. And um, I guess I was thinking chilaquiles for some reason kind of kicked in because they're colorful. And I was like, if you create three different sauces with different colors, you get a vibrant mix of colors. And then what could you do to put on top? So I thought like chives poking up to give it that height and just stuff like that. You know, they can create a dish that's traditionally flat, no height, no real pretty picture to it to give it some height and dimensions to it you know and that's kind of where my my brain always just goes <laughs> so i i mean i can see just in the way that you how excited you are right now the way that your eyes light up when you talk about fusion and plating and height and stuff like that i like i can tell that you want to like serve plated meals oh yeah you yeah. i mean i i not that you're, you have anything against, you know, serving to-go meals, taking bakes, anything like that. But you would be very interested in having the opportunity to create those plated meals again, I assume. Is, is that correct? Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, I was shying away from it, but some things are meant to be. Yeah. You know, I love creating. I like creating dishes. I like creating food um, that I, you know, I think in the future we're talking about opening a place where I can create some mess. Because I, I love it. I love cooking. I love creating Um that I think it probably it's in our future for sure. Um, I just was trying to shy away from those late hours, yeah. that time-consuming. Um, that that's kind of where this idea came from. You know, I, it's not that I don't love restaurants. It's not that I'm, I absolutely love food and restaurant business and creating. It's just those hours that's consuming your entire life that I was trying to shy away from. So if I did something. Um, it would be among kind of our, our our hours type of thing. You know, I don't want to do late hours. I don't want to do that crazy stuff where you're just there till three in the morning and just lose that family time, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we're headed. But yes, I do miss it. Of course, it's been in my blood and that's all, that's all I know how to do is food, which is why we're selling so much food at the store. Well, if that ever comes in the future, sign me up because <laughs> Everything that you just described sounds fantastic, and just seeing how, like I said, how excited you seem about it, like, I can tell that, yeah, you're passionate about it. But what you just said brings up something that I wanted to ask you about, and LinkedIn can be very hit or miss, but according to your LinkedIn, you actually, after your last restaurant job, before opening the market, worked a couple years as a car salesman. Is that accurate? No, so no, no, yes and no, yes and no. Okay, it's actually my business. Oh, that's your business. It okay, is. so I own a car lot as well. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but but you but you got out of the restaurant industry for a couple of years. So no, no, never I'm, left it. I'm so just all wrong. I was at Primos, yes, which is my last job. I was district manager for Primos. Uh, you know, I opened my car lot while I was at Primos. Okay. So my car is actually, I've owned it for three years, three and a half years. Um, that started as a hobby. I love cars. As you are much as interesting I like man, Jose. <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> I like to keep busy and I, I love cars and I like food. So it was always a hobby, cars and motorcycles. Um, and I would buy them, build them, fix them up, and then get bored, sell it, and start on the next project. To where my wife, once again, was like, my wife's a finance major. So she looks at all that stuff. And it's a waste of money. So she's like, why do you do this? Because I love it. I love cars. This is what I do. She's like, well, why don't you turn into a business? You still fix them up. You sell them. You get to enjoy the car for a little bit. But you sell them, You make your money back. And you don't lose. And I'm like... Okay, this is not about. She's like, why don't you talk to one of my cousins who's owned a car lot, whatnot, and chat with them, see what you can come up with. So I chatted with, and I kind of liked the idea. And then, uh, you know, one of the uh, things that my wife does, she starts up LLCs. So we came up with an idea, a name, which is Cali Auto Sales. So funny story, from I'm from California, but you never say I'm from California. You say I'm from Cali. Where are you from, Cali? She's from Cali, Colombia. 
Oh, wow. Yes. We combine them together and call it Caliado sales. Another weird thing is Colombia colors for the flag are yellow, blue, and red. California flag colors are yellow and blue. So they share the color. So we combine that, and that's how we was, made it happen. It was yeah. meant to be. So I kind of started that as a, you know, I just got a little shop. It was, I, Carlot was not in my picture. That's not what I was, but never, that, it was just more or less, you know, some small, keep it going. Um, but what happened was when I was, when I started the store, my, the plan was never for me to resign from Primo's. I rather enjoyed working for Primos. The owner was very good to me and my family. He's a friend, continues to be a friend. Um, and it was never the plan to leave. It was always like, he was always like, I don't want to let you go. And I, let's figure out a way to work it. So the plan was for my wife to run that. And I could still run the car lot and whatnot and manage, you know, what I was managing with Primos, which at the time was a restaurant. I helped him with, he owns a lot of business. So I kind of helped him out with everything. I ran a couple venues as well, like catering halls and whatnot. And then we were going to open another store in Omaha, which I opened before I left. Um, the plan was never to leave. It was a plan was to start it and have my wife run it. But the food <laughs> kind of kicked in. And I just, I had to. It was just too much for me to do. Um, you know, he was about to open another store on top of it. So it's just going to be too many stores on, under under my provision to 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 be able to have mine and, and, and I was not invested. So that's kind of how that started. Um, so I resigned shortly before I opened my store. Well, my project, like I said, started so long um, that it went from Millard to, to the current location. It was supposed to open in May and that just dragged and dragged and dragged and dragged. And I had hired people. So I was having to pay people for not working. So of course I started selling more cars and like I said, um, it was just a, I had a small shop. I started the business, everything, but I wasn't a car lot. Um, I found out real quick that you could only sell a certain amount of cars before you actually have to have a dealership, an actual dealer's license. The state kind of hit me with that one. So I was forced to get an actual dealer license and become a dealership because I was selling so many cars because the store was taking so long. So I actually opened a car lot before the store, but the car lot was never a plan. <laughs> well, that's how it kind of started. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. It's... I, I'm, I'm glad that we went on that journey because that was fascinating. <laughs> I did not expect to have that conversation today, but I, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. part of the beauty of hearing people's stories. You yeah. get to hear all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So I still have that. and, and But, you know, it's... The store's keeping me so busy lately that I haven't been doing much with it right now, That, but I still have it, and, and yeah. <laughs> now, you mentioned the goal was to open the store in April. You eventually did open on October 22nd, 22nd. of 2022. Yep. yep. And like you said, you've had this idea in your brain for a decade, if not more, what was it like for you to finally see it realized and like be able to open those doors and people are coming inside and looking around and ordering food? What was that day like for you? You know, I get asked that a lot. And, you know, friends and, and family are like, how do you feel? You know, you you got your store, you know, you got two businesses now. Like, how does it feel? Like, how are you taking it in? And I was like, I got to be honest, till this day, I don't think it's kicked in. I haven't fully felt it um i just think i'm so busy i'm still not where i want to be with it um there's so many levels i want to get to that i'm so busy trying to create that it hasn't quite kicked in um and i really have to like sit back and reflect a little bit at times to realize that i made it happen um and even then i still can't quite grasp it that I that I am making I am doing it um you know my once again my, my wife has been the biggest pusher for all this um but she's like she told me this last week as a matter of fact when we were talking she's like you realize that you're never gonna have to work for anybody else again and I was like what do you mean I was like I'm not too big for that I was like if I have to work for somebody I, I could work she's like no like Jose like your business is doing well you're not slowing down anytime soon and both your businesses are doing this. You're like, you're never going to work for anybody else again. It's like, I don't see how you could do it. And it kind of took me a second to, like, reflect on that. I was like, my God, you're right. 
Like, I mean, hopefully. I mean, I pray to God that that does that is. But yeah, it would be really hard to go back to work for somebody again, not having to be able to make the decisions that I make. You know, um, some of my ideas, you know, I think might be silly, but to me they're not. But to other people, I think they're because I've had these ideas before and I've mentioned them and they kind of get brushed off to where I created up and they're great. You know, some, some simple like the salsa, angry salsa, you know, I created the salsa and my father was helping me at the time, my wife, and it's a, it's the spiciest salsa I have. And I made it for myself because I love spicy food. Um, and they're like, my wife was like, no, you got to be angry to eat this stuff. And I was just like. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's going to be angry sauce. She's like, no, that's silly. I, was like, I don't care. I'm going to name it that. And it's stuck and people love it. You know, but I think anybody else would be like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and just stuff like that, you know. Um, I can make that decision. And it's cool. It's cool. You know, it's something so little that doesn't seem like it. But, you know, it, it's cool that you can create something and just name it whatever you want. And, and just make that decision where I've managed a lot of restaurants and corporate restaurants especially corporate where you don't have that say it's their way it's 100 percent their way um you got to jump through a lot of hoops to to make a simple change to make a recipe completely better um i can make that overnight you know um i can make that decision i can change the recipe you know and, and make it what i think is better to where you can't do it in another place so that that's awesome do you think working for other people and working on their concepts for so long and not saying anything bad about any of those restaurants. You've mentioned that you loved Absolutely. working at several of them, but has that made you appreciate that freedom even more where you can make angry salsa? If you want to make a mole, you can make a mole. If you want to make Colombian chicharrones, yeah. you can try that. Like, does that just make you, does, do all those experiences make you value that freedom even more? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's what I'm valuing more than anything. That freedom, not not saying that I own a play, not saying that it's a, honestly the freedom right there, the freedom to create, you know, because I don't get much other freedom. I don't get to leave early. I don't get to, you know, I'm there before and I'm there after. Uh, but the freedom to create, definitely. I think we take that for granted. Um, or maybe some people might take it for granted that I don't want to because that is the best feeling, making that decision. Um I said, I've been in the business for so many years and there's so much stuff that I'm just like, God, this is pointless. Why do we <laughs> do this? You know, um, my last job at Primos, you know, that's one thing I, 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 I got, I was able to create, you know, when he started, you know, I, I left Corner Grill, which is very corporate. It was an amazing company. Um, like I said, they were very good to me. They were great. Um, but going from that to that mom and pop's place was completely different. So, the way he said it to me was, whatever you do there, you know half of it you don't need to do. So cut out all that bull and just mainstream and give us that here. And I was able to do that. And I was just like, wow. You know, that, that was cool because a lot of stuff was just like relentless. You know, you'd have a list for a list for a list. It's just like, why am I doing this extra work? where I was able to cut that out and now that I have my own I'm able to even cut more out but I think it's still very it's very important a lot of the, the corporate stuff it's it's very important because it teaches consistency um it, it keeps stuff structure which is still very important so I got to learn that stuff and I'm able to implement that in my business um so I'm very glad and fortunate to have those experiences because I, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot um, in m most small businesses, specifically restaurants, um, don't make it because of that, because they don't have that structure. They've never yep. been taught. They don't know that stuff that at the end of the day, this is a business and it's got to be run. It's got to be ran as one. Um, so if you don't know how to run a restaurant as, as a business, then you're, you're probably going to fail. Um, and I've been running restaurants and for over 20 years and I've made so many mistakes I've made so many mistakes mistakes are the best teacher though and exactly and you know um and I continue to make mistakes so thankfully I got you know my wife on board I got a couple I got good mentors good friends that you know I'm able to speak to and kind of get some pointers but 
you know, even as a person running restaurants for 20 plus years, I still make mistakes. And I'm just like, wow, you think you know it all, but you don't. You really don't. You know, you continue to grow and continue to learn every day um, in the business and food. Um, it just never stops. Never stops. It's always a learning curve, you know. Well, you've clearly learned a lot and it has taught you some very good things because I, I believe you when you say Avalos Latin Market is not a finished product. It's going to continue to grow, but it is fantastic. E even if it stopped right now <laughs> at its current state, it is fantastic as it is. You've got some awesome food. I mean, we didn't even really hit on the market side of it with all the, you know, just stuff from other countries that you have. Yeah. But I could talk to you for hours, Jose. I, it has just <laughs> been so much fun. Unfortunately, we're up against the clock, but I'm just so appreciative of you, man, for for creating something that you wanted, that you brought something that was not really available in West Omaha, and you've opened it up to West O, and clearly we like it quite a bit. <laughs> and thank you so much just for coming on the no, show today. thank you, you for inviting me. You talked about how you're such a busy guy, and I absolutely believe that 100%, and you gave time to this podcast. That's fantastic. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you've done. Um, like you said, to you it's nothing. You just went and tried some food. You enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, you opened, an, you opened eyes to a lot of people that hadn't seen us, haven't met us yet, and that has brought a lot of customers and and. You know, it's they become family. They become friends. You know, there's a saying that says, uh, um, "A customer will become a friend faster than a friend will become your client." Mm, and it's I like that. very true. You know, I have so many friends that I still haven't visited my store, but I got new customers or become friends who are there all the time um, that support me in a big way. You know, and at the end of the day, that's what it is. So you've been a huge support for our business and our store, and you open an eye to our food. And like I said, it's not a finished product by any means. It will continue to grow. We'll, I will continue to bring new stuff. So definitely stay tuned. Stay tuned for sure. Well, listeners, viewers, if you want to become Jose's friend, just go have his food once. You will be a repeat <laughs> customer. I guarantee whether you want to get some tacos, whether you just need to grab something to grow, grab some enchiladas, you get that Cubano. You will be back. I promise you. Come back and see us. Thank you again, Jose. Omaha, as always, thanks for <laughs> eating with us. A Huda Media Production.